I don't have an engineer. That's not gonna stop me from getting these placements. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> record them myself, and I'll I'll figure out. <laughs> that shit kind of scared me. I'll figure out. Yeah, I'll figure out the re- yeah. I came out came out of nowhere, but I'll figure out how to mix it and send it to some. I'll figure that out later. Yo, I'm Samuel Sarfo. I'm Adam Dash. Welcome to the Sound Centric Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for tuning in. We got a very special guest with us in the building from Broward County, Florida, but a local of Akron, Ohio. Our guest today is a true pioneer in the making. As one of this generation's most accomplished independent acts, has worked with the likes of Juice World, T.I., Fabio Foreign, French Montana, Yo Gotti, T-Pain, Maxo Cream, Burna Boy, Lil Wayne, and so much more. He's not only a multi-platinum producer, but he has honed in his craft as a songwriter, audio engineer, and entrepreneur, which has placed him on multiple times on Billboard Top 10, with over 130 million streams on Spotify alone, RIAA certified, platinum and gold. Honestly, we're so excited and honored to have him on the podcast today. Uh, please give a warm welcome to Dominique, a.k.a. Mish Moolah. Yes, sir. What's up? Yo, that was like a boxing <laughs> bio. Two-time world champion, <laughs> undisputed. Yes, Bro, you should be feeling like that, those accolades, nah. man, for real. It's an I honor to have it. you. Thank you for having for me. Sure. I appreciate it. Of course. So um, one of the ways that we usually start the show off, and we'll give you some time to think about this question, is that we uh, just kind of recap our week. We give a playlist name of the week for how we're feeling, mm-hmm. and then we just kind of pick a song that we would think highlight that description so for me my playlist title of the week this week is going to be back to school i'm starting my senior year at ohio state so shout out ohio a lot of ohio boys in the building right now oh, and in a bit of- <laughs> i'm gonna pick a really random song that's obscure reference but we go billy madison when he's like singing back to school if anyone has seen the movie there anyone billy madison no, i have not no i think you're alone fam hey adam sandler get on that <laughs> sam <laughs> what is your playlist title for the week for me, playlist title would be Woodstock 99. Um, a lot of crap going around me, a lot of stress around me. Like, again, schools come in and stuff like that and applications. Um, the opener song would be Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. So the inside, I'm cool, calm, and collected, but a lot of shit going around the outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, Dom, what about you, my guy? Playlist oh, title, man. song opener. Put you on the spot. Damn, y'all caught me off guard. Uh, yeah. Playlist title would be Yay by Burner Boy. Um, mm-hmm. it's just real big, real celebratory. Just feel good. It's like a new beginning. Um, and then it would close out with um Hills and Valleys by Bojo Bantan, which is it's mm-hmm. a cultural song, roots reggae. Anybody who heard the song would you know know yep. what it's about. Mm-hmm. But that's that's how I'm feeling inside. Well, I really feel like that on a daily basis. <laughs> as you should my guy yeah. um but yeah um just starting off with honestly your roots you were born in florida uh, you moved to akron for high school you went to college mm-hmm. in south carolina from a guyanese home that's a lot of different cultures and yeah. environments that you're being exposed to you're meeting a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. how do you think these experiences shaped you to become who you are today and also shaped you and impacted you in your music journey in terms of the business side the moves you're making and also the sound that you're trying to uh, uh express well, I was just speaking with a friend of mine about that uh, recently. You know, um, first off, being Guyanese, being raised in a Guyanese household, um, it's it had me in, in my childhood not feeling kind of outcasted. Not not outcasted by definition, but I, I wasn't able to relate to a lot of my peers um, because we were just raised differently. It was flat out, you know. Um, but 
coming going from that household to going to Ohio, Midwest, um, living with my my biological dad, his side of the family, it was it was kind of a culture shock. I'll give you one example. You know, so me coming from a Guyanese household, where my family's from is Kakwani, which is literally in the jungle in, in Guyana. And, you know, it's, it's a real farm farm town. They, the milk is, it comes directly from the cows. So we heat the milk up before we, we eat cereal. So we eat hot cereal. as hot cornflakes, hot fruit loops, whatever it is. So when I got to Ohio and I was heating up my cereal, everybody was looking at me like I came from Mars or something. <laughs> and I, was, I thought something was wrong with them. I'm like, y'all don't heat up y'all milk before y'all, before you eat cereal. So, I mean, I say all that to say, um, you know, I think it's a major advantage that I have, you know, coming from different a different background, one, and then being able to live, um, make friends and, and create relationships in Ohio, then going from that to South Carolina, which is the South. And I just recently moved from New York back to Miami. I was in New York for five years. So all of those experiences, um, it kind of, remove certain veils and boxes around you, in my experience, that allow you to see life in different ways and just make you more easy to adapt because I'm moving from Miami to Ohio. That's completely different. You go from metropolitan yeah. to a real slow place, so slow paced place from there to South Carolina, which is, you know, country town in the middle of nowhere, Orangeburg, to that to New York City. It's like I feel like I can adapt to any situation um, living-wise. And if I can adapt my living situation, then, you know, work or resources, that's the easy part. Awesome. Yeah. And just to get into a little bit of your um, college career, just because we are, I'm going my senior year of college and Sam just graduated and just for independent artists who are working throughout their college days. So I was reading about how you played football for four years and you got injured and you decided to really put all of your life into making music. The story kind of reminds me of like JID's story where he had a, well, he was playing football, then he got out of it and became this like huge rapper. But what was your work ethic like once you started working your ass off as a producer? Were you producing for years before or was this a hobby that you kind of had and you just really nailed into it? So the music for me during college was something that I did, not um, actively trying to pursue something. It was more like, uh -huh. you know, y'all are in college, you know, you got time off, you might you might just take on different hobbies. So it was a hobby for sure. Um, and then when I got injured in my senior season, um, I had a really strong belief that energy is something that can't be, um, it's never destroyed. So I just took the same energy, um, all of the energy that I put into, Perfect. you know, <laughs> I actually got that, that tag is in uh, the song I got yeah. with Yo Gotti called Mitch, which is funny. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just feel like, you know, that energy I put into football, it was just, I just transferred into music with the same work ethic, with the same schedule almost, the same discipline, the same, um, you know, if you practice all week, the game is on Saturday. I look at it like that. Like if I got a mm -hmm. session, I got a session today. So I've been preparing for the session, you know, for some time. And game day is, you know, when I have that session with the artist. So yeah. um, it was a fairly easy transition because I just went full go at it. It wasn't yeah. something I had to think on and, you know, make my mind up and sit. It, it was okay, this is done, I'm doing this. And it literally happened after I got, when I got injured, I was inside the, um, the ambulance with my ex-girlfriend at the time and my mother. And mm -hmm. I text uh, Brian uh, from Cleveland, Ohio, works at a lot of mixtapes. And I told him, yo, football's over, I need to win the Grammy. And then the next week I was in Ohio working with Rick Flames and, and those guys up there. So, uh -huh. you know, it's just, I just transferred the energy really simply yeah. put. And something, yeah. and, I um, think, like, I just, how you got him. Something that college students probably struggle with is the concept of like how they're like they don't know how to network. We can all be on social media, but we don't know all how to properly network. So, what advice would you have for that? Being younger, 
maybe like cold messaging people and emailing people to get in contact? Um, well, the messaging never worked for me. I don't know. Yeah. Even when if I send a beats out through emails, that never, that, you know, I, I never yeah. say never, but I haven't found that to be my strong suit. Networking for me is, it's an in-person thing, meeting somebody naturally, forming a genuine relationship. Like I might want to do something with you guys, or I might have met you and like, yo, let's do that. That's not really the way I suggest going about it. I actually find common ground with the person, talk to them on a human level. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually express your, your your want to do something with them. But how can you bring value to what they do and not? Y'all want to do an interview with y'all because y'all lit. Like, no, nah, I think I bring a lot of value to your platform because of this, this and this. I've seen these episodes and I think where I might, you know, bring value is because I do this, this, this. It gives you a different um, something else to talk about. So I think networking is more about that. It's more about another thing I was talking to somebody about networking with. Also, it's like. It's a lot of networking events in the music industry, in any industry. And you want to go there, you want to meet everybody. You want to meet a million people, get 100 contacts. It's not really practical to how many of those contacts are you going to follow up unless you're really strict and disciplined uh-huh. with Or oh, Wednesday is my networking contact day where I just message everybody. I say the relationships that you have right now, um, you know, just hone in on those, develop those, make those stronger, make those connections stronger, make those better. So when you call in that favor, you want to do this with this person, it's not... Oh, I haven't spoken to them in six months because I've been meeting a million people a day. Networking is more uh, about developing that relationship instead of making a million relationships. And then you go on to do that the same thing with another relationship. Yeah. And I think it's also really impressive just coming from you because, like you said, you're moving to so many different places. It's kind of hard to sustain those relationships because you're moving so much. So the fact that you've hard. continued um, doing that. But again, like you said before, that honestly built you to be a little bit different in terms of you're able to adapt. I was switching mm-hmm. from football to music. It wasn't that major just because you're used to that. I moved to all these places, had to, had to develop, had to adapt. And that honestly was, although a double-sided coin, it came with some pros as well. Yeah, I think it's just a mentality. Like, I don't, I believe I can never lose, you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever I want to achieve, I will achieve. And that's just being frank. So if somebody puts me here or if I, not, not somebody, but I, I put myself here, put myself there, I have the ability to, to make the best of that. We all have the ability to make the best of a situation. Even when I tore my knee in football, not for one second was I ever feeling like the victim or why me. I never asked myself why me. It was always, okay, what's next? Like, this is not gonna, this is not the end of my life. This is not the end. My mom has this thing she mm-hmm. says, where there's life, there's hope. And I believe that hundred percent. So I just I just feel like if you have a mentality of, you know, you can never lose and everything that happens for you that you might look at as bad might be the best thing that, ever, that could ever happen to you. So it's just about how you take things and what you do after these things happen for you, not to you. Yeah, yeah. And what's crazy to me is this happened your senior year, right? The injury? This happened the third game of my senior year, and there was about 15 NFL scouts at the game. They was coming to the practices the whole week. I bought a car. I was talking to, you know, Agents, I'm not going to say which agencies because that's illegal, but, uh-huh. you know, I had the whole thing set up. My mom was at the game. My, ex- my ex-girlfriend at the time, she was at the game. Like, I was I was, I was, was gone in my head, you know, and this, uh-huh. when this happened, it was like, you know, you work your whole life for one moment, and that moment, yeah. you're right in front of it, and it gets snatched away from you. It's like, now, if I take that moment, I sit back, like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. At the same time that happened, I got surgery. The doctors gave me, you know, 70, 78 Percocets. And hydro and fifty six hydrocodone at the same time, and they gave me a recipe to destroy my life. Like it was literally handed to me. The worst moment in my life, 
I'm in the dorm room by myself. I'm feeling all this sorrow. Why me? Why me? I got all this medication. You know, I wouldn't be speaking with you guys today. Literally, I wouldn't be speaking with y'all today if if I if I allowed myself to you know become the victim in that moment. It was nah. This happened. This is this must not be what I'm meant to do. So whatever the next thing is, I'm going full speed at that. And I don't know if it's gonna work right away or it might take me ten years. But I know that all of this energy I put into football. If I just literally transfer it over here, I should get some results and I should have some signs that, you know, I have a future in this. And then that happened. Six months later, I had this song with Yo Gotti called Mitch. And, you know, it's been, I've just been working uphill ever since. It's an uphill battle still. Life is, it's, yeah. yeah, it's definitely not like, oh, you made it and I'm here and I arrived. Like, no, I got different. I, I'm still fighting every day. We're going to all, you know, still be fighting no matter what. Mm-hmm. Honestly, such a beautiful thing. And yeah. I relate with that on a personal level, just with me and soccer and losing that. It was so hard to move on. But like you said, you got to keep moving on to the next. And what I'm so impressed is the fact that although you started your senior year, to some, that might wow. even be considered late. I've heard some stories of people talking about I started early, 15, 16. But you just mm-hmm. started, maybe, I'm not sure, but you, I'm assuming you just started producing once you hit that senior year of college. So you had to get introduced I started maybe two producing. years yeah. before. So I was just messing okay. around with the beats. like. But like I said, it was something I did. You know, I, I wasn't a party animal in college. I went to parties, have fun. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just even even to this day, like, I prefer to be home and doing something that I like to do. Whatever it is I like to do, uh-huh. I'm, you know, I'm going to do that. So I like to make beats. I'll make beats in my, in my dorm room in between classes or late at night. So I was, I had the skill set and I was working on it, but I wasn't working on it with the intention. You know, the mm-hmm. intention makes all the difference. If I'm doing it with an intention, it's a different focus, a different attention to detail, a different type of mentality going into it. So I took that intention. You know, when I got hurt, it was, that's when the intention became, this is what I'm going to do for a living and I'm going to make this work. I think your, yep. at, your attitude's like so inspiring because I think it's amazing that you and the whole thing of not feeling sorry for yourself and just kind of going out there. I think having the discipline of being an athlete in training definitely helps just translate perfectly to music. So my question is, since you're an independent artist, how did you start working with some of these more mainstream artists, such as Yo Gotti, Juice World? How does that come um, into contact? So my management at the time, they had relationships and um, you know, they would put me in a room with the artists or send beats to the artists or, you know, whatever, even like with the Juice World situation. Um, I told them it's an artist in Chicago or I told Brian, like, yo, have you seen this kid? I think he had maybe 800 followers at the time. Speaking on Juice World. And he was like, yo, yeah, we spoke about him briefly. And then the next month we had a session with uh, Four from Black Ink Chicago. Shout out to Four. We had a session with him and him and Juice had the same. They had a mutual friend, DJ Victorious. So DJ Victorious, I told my, uh, my management, yo. I go to Chicago. I want to work with Four for sure. Like this is y'all guy. Y'all got him on uh-huh. um, some type of distribution deal, whatever they had him with. I'm like, I want to work with with Juice World as well because I believe if me and him work together, we'll make something special. And that's what I told him. But this is not me seeing the future. This is like I like his music. I like you know what he's yeah. doing. I like how he's expressing himself. I want to make something with him too. So we locked in for like three days and worked on the records, just like any normal session. But the session wasn't any normal session. He was doing the whole freestyle thing. Y'all seen a million times. Yeah. It was mind blowing, and it was one point. Um, not even to make the story sound any better, but it was one point where it was the next day after we had the first session, and it was just like ridiculous. And I went in the booth and told him, "I'm glad I got to tell him this. Um, like y'all work with a lot of different artists, big artists, small artists. What you doing here is I never seen nothing like this. Like I'm a fan of of you. Like, and this is before we you know created Scared of Love and other records. So, uh-huh. um, 
yeah, like I said, it was just another session, and then everything happened kind of out of nowhere, which is cool, you know, cool to be a part of that, a part of an artist going from unknown to you know, a global superstar. Uh, but still, you know, you get that moment and you're still working. It's not like, yo, mm-hmm. I got a song on this big album. And it's like, no, nah, you're still working. You're still going to the studio. You're still having late nights. You're still, you know, you're still um, climbing. And you've definitely touched on the importance of actually forming these relationships, not just sending someone a random beat and then sending you random stems back being vocals. So how important for you is to have like a team around you of different creatives who are actually like working together and not just sending emails or just like messaging, but actually being Man, in person. I, I love working in person because you get to interact with somebody. Um, even when I'm writing songs for artists, you know, like I wrote a, a bunch of songs for Chinese Kitty. Uh, a lot of them are, you know, her biggest songs. And most of them came about with me asking simple questions like, yo, how you feeling right now? Yeah. When you hear this beat, what do you think of? You know, like, let me get inside your mind. So when we sit down and write this record, I, I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. I'm not just saying something to have you sounding like. That's one thing I do take a lot of pride in when I'm working with an artist. I want to write for them. I'm not writing a record. This record right here is not going to work for Cardi B or uh-huh. or Travis Scott. Like this record is for you because I'm using your personal how you feel about this beat, how you feel about like what's going on right now in your life. So I, I much rather work in person um, because I do a lot of producing, and when I say producing, I mean vocal producing. I mean, you know, let's move this part of the beat around. I mean, uh-huh. you know, just putting the record together. Because it's one thing to make a beat and give it to somebody and just hope it comes out well, but it's another thing to actually have input on it. So um, I produce most of the records I'm a part of. I help produce those records. And me and Sam were talking yeah. about this um, literally our last episode. And what is your opinion, because obviously you're a songwriter, what is your mm-hmm. feeling towards like just the idea that artists don't write their own music. So I think there's certain genres, like for rap specifically, it's like, how can you rap about something so personal, but it's not actually written for you versus in something like R&B, it's so normal to have all these writing credits on a song. I think this, right? So you got to understand the history of rap. Uh, Rapping, um, so when you go back historically to where rap comes from, rap really comes from Jamaica. Like when you have, if you familiar with sound systems and how that worked in the, I'm not gonna say Jamaica in particular, but the islands, right? The whole uh-huh. DJ talking over the rhythm. Yep. But you see, when they they're doing that over roots reggae tracks, you bring that to America, you're doing that over different samples, and you really just looping the break beat. But then it's like you have competition in there. So I understand for rap, it's more of a competitive thing where it's like, um, it's a skill set to where I might have a better flow than you or you know, you might have a better punchlines than me, but if your punchlines and your flow coming from somebody else, then it's you really not that nice. That's yeah. really the root of rap. But I don't think that where we at right now in rap, and I don't think it's bad to have somebody write songs for you. You know, um, especially if it's not like you're not right. It's not. It's like if you was rap battling somebody and I wrote for you, then it's like it's kind of whack. But if this yeah. is just you expressing yourself in the music. I think if you, you could link with somebody and make a good vibe that people love, I don't think there's nothing wrong with somebody writing your raps. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's, people not looking at Justin Bieber like, yo, you're not writing those songs. But in, yeah. in hip hop, we get that <laughs> due to the nature of the competitiveness of it. But like I said, if this is, if you just, you know, you making music, I don't think it's something wrong with somebody writing songs for you or helping you write songs because it's, it's all about collaboration. Did we come together and make a dope song? Yeah. At the end of the day, you get one single track, <clears throat> which is going to be an MP3 or a WAV file. And if people love it, they love it. 
I think it's definitely a generational thing, uh, specifically with our generation, how we're accepting that. I know when the like rumors about Drake came out, people were bugging out a little bit, but that's become a lot more acceptable in the mainstream act where you see a bunch of artists coming together to collab. Some it's like other genres, but when it comes to that hip hop, it's like strictly no collab when it comes to the verse, et cetera, et cetera. But that's what spawns creativity, the diversity. And that's what I love so much about you. A lot of people can talk the talk, but they got to walk the walk. Not only were you producing, you were also writing for artists as well. Not only writing for them, songwriting your own songs, engineering as well, just pushing all the boundaries possible. And when it comes to producing, not that there's a cap to the amount of people who can produce, but it seems like it could be oversaturated a little bit because everyone's trying to chase the same sound, the same way, rather than being um, finding their own identity and making their mm -hmm. own sound. Uh, for you, at least, how were you able to do that? And also, why did you decide to push through different types of avenues in the music rather than just focusing on the producer side? Um, it's something my dad told me um, when I moved to Ohio. He told me you're more valuable if you have more tools in your bag. So, mm -hmm. you know, me engineering wasn't even something I'm like, yo, I need to be valuable. I need to know how to engineer this. I'm in Atlanta. I got my computer. I got a session with Nestle. I got a session with... Um, Lotto Savage, I got a session with, it was a couple other artists, Hurrish, Pablo Juan, this is back in 2017. I don't have an engineer. That's not going to stop me from getting these placements, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record them myself and I'll, I'll figure out, that shit kind of scared me. I'll figure out, I'll figure out the, re yeah, I came out of nowhere, but I'll figure out how to mix it and send it to some, I'll figure that out later, but. I need to get them on a beat. I need to I need to showcase my ability. I need to make these connections. So that's where the engineer came from. And you know, that's 2017, 2018. I linked with Juice, the song I did with him. I recorded, mixed and mastered, did everything on the spot. They took the same session that we did that day. It was nothing different about it. The song goes on to go platinum. The album goes on to go platinum. So now I'm a platinum mixing mastering engineer and producer all in one time because I just because of when I went to Atlanta, I needed to record the artist myself. And this it literally goes back to what I said about, you know, adapting to situations. I'm thrown in the fire. I got this artist sitting in my face and he needs to record. He wants to use this beat right now. It's not, oh, uh, let me call the engineer. It's, all right, cool. Put these headphones on. Here go the mic. Uh -huh. Let's do it. So um, it's really just about being limitless, not not limiting yourself. Uh, I think I think people... Right now, we live in such a fast-paced, cookie-cutter world to where you can jump on YouTube right now, learn how to make a beat in 10 minutes. Yeah. But then you might just stick to that because it's easy. It's quick. you know. So when you go in that room and the, and the person that is asking you, where does the verse start, where does the hook start, you don't got a clue because you're not really a producer. And that's no shade to nobody, but I don't want to be somebody that's in the room. And like if I'm in a room right now with anybody, I could bring value from writing a song to producing a song to... Engineer, engineer steps out. I can, I can sit down and engineer you. You might want me to engineer the rest of your record. You might want me to write your record. Like uh, last week, I was working on some stuff with um, the Jamaican artist Conscious. He's a he's a reggae artist. Does reggae, Afro beats, just a lot of great music. And I'm able to jump in those sessions and help him with with things because of my versatility. So I think for anybody right now, especially up and coming, be versatile. Learn how to do other things. So you when you go in that room, you're not just okay. I gave you the beat. Okay, cool. You just sit down and I don't know. What do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. As, a, as a beat maker, not saying you got to just be fully involved talking all the time, but you know, if I give somebody a beat, I'm sitting, I'm sitting next to the engineer as they in the booth. You know what I'm saying? Because I know what's going on on that screen. 
there might be some drops that I might want him to take out. I might think that he got too much reverb on the vocals. Because mind you, this is my song just as well as it's that artist song. So I might say, yo, cut the low end out of the reverb or take the reverb down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Take the delay off. Because I know what I expect from the record. I made the beat. He's doing the vocals. Mm-hmm. So did you study music theory? Were you watching YouTube tutorials? How did you get this knowledge so fast of being able to go from just beat making to engineering to producing? So in football, any sport I played, I was always the hardest working person. Like nobody outworked me. Um, and I have a st- extreme discipline and focus when I'm doing things. So when I picked up music, it was the same thing. Um, I'm just focusing on my craft. I'm putting hours in, like meaningful hours, you know, studying this day and night, day and night, day and night. And I'm absorbing information everywhere I go. If I go to a session, if I like even right now, I might go in a room with an engineer who might be an engineer for two months. He can teach me something. He might not know he taught me something. So it's literally being a sponge to the game and just soaking up as much information as possible. So um, I feel like if you take that mentality on with anything, you're going to be able to... Um, just transcend whatever you're doing. It's also some something Napoleon Hill said, which is, um, I forget exactly how the quote goes, but if you learn from others in one year, you would you would accomplish more than you would in a lifetime of learning from yourself. So it's just soaking up information. Yeah. And just to piggyback off you said a little bit earlier when you threw that little slight shade, do you think um, that as a producer, a real producer, you need to start from scratch or... Like you know the debate where it's like, no. oh, if you're sampling, just chopping things or whatever, then you're not really a producer, et cetera. This et cetera. is hip hop. This is hip hop. Hip hop yep. started with samples. The the yep. first hip hop song ever made was a sample. So mm-hmm. I can't say what's a real producer and what's not. I know I'm a producer. I know what I call myself. You know, me me not being able to play the piano, somebody might say you're not a producer. I don't care what they say though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if you start with samples, if you're making your own melodies. At the end of the day, what are we what are we looking at? Is a single file of an MP3, a WAV file, a AIFF file, FLAC file, whatever you want, whatever it is, you get that one file. Nobody is gonna listen to it. Listen to a song. It's like, you know, people say it's about DJ Khaled all the time. Oh, he's not producing these songs. Yes, he is producing these songs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it don't matter what you start with. You can start with the vocals first. You could have somebody send you vocals and build a beat around that. Does it sound good? What's the product like? That's, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yes, sir. And I know, again, uh, you expanded um, with that element as well, but you expanded even further, um, pushing your own art out, making your own music, um, becoming your own artist. Um, mm-hmm. What prompted you to start doing that rather than just being in the studio, in the back, recording and mixing? Um, I feel like I got a story to tell, you know, the story of the 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 person who comes from an immigrant family with zero resources and becomes successful in life is a story that is not spoken on in our community as much. We get the rags to riches story all the time. You know, I came from the project story, which is mm-hmm. their story respectfully. Like I commend anybody that, that's coming from that type of situation. That's not my story. And I never heard any story like mine growing up. You know, it I had to create this story myself based off of no default, based off of not seeing somebody do it. The closest thing I seen to this was my mom coming coming here on a boat and making things happen. So I want to tell my story. I want to tell how I grew up, you know, the things I've seen, the things I, I've been through, both the good and the bad, the in-between, uh, just simply because of the things I, 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 I dealt with in life and where I'm at now. I think somebody could 
see value in it or somebody might appreciate it. So it's really just me telling the story. That's why I named my first project True Story, because that's exactly what it is. Every song on there is I'm not telling any lies in it. It's, it's, these are all things that actually happen. I'm giving you my autobiography and it's music, you know, and it's leaving a blueprint behind as well. Yep. And and True Story was released through when, um, when, when First Records. Is that your own record label? Yep, that's my record label, yep. Yeah, independent, 100%. And again, 100%. you have creative control and you can kind of do what you're doing, which is a beautiful thing. So yeah, what's going, what's going into your decision to remain independent? Have you been asked by labels to join? Has this always just been a thing that you're like, I'm going to stick to this forever? Um, um, yeah, so I wanted... I definitely want to touch on this because when people hear independent, they think of, I'm like, no, I don't like labels. I, I think a label is the best scenario for 99% of artists, artists and producers, mm -hmm. because to be an independent artist, you have to be a businessman. You have to yeah. understand, like, I didn't set this interview up. Alexi set this interview up. You know, she works not for my company. She works with my company, bringing value. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something you got to understand is... When you're independent, you have to have these different departments, just like a label. I'm an independent label, not an independent individual. So I have to have a PR department. I have to have a marketing team. I have to have different things when they're applicable. I have to have photographers and videographers. I have to have the same type of resources or the same list of resources as a label, not the amount, obviously working with different budgets. But I have had um, labels offer me to sign and respectfully, I declined due to, you know, many just different reasons. But I'm open to sign to a label if it's uh -huh. the right situation. Um, it makes sense, the right relationships, the right staff is in place. I know the staff is not leaving next week. Um, I definitely <laughs> would sign to a label because I look at it like you add in you add in players on your team. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I yeah. definitely would, you know, like to have good players on my team. If I'm a point guard, I need a good shooter guard. I need somebody that can knock down threes. So, you know, it's it's all about teamwork at the end of the day, just like collaborating and making these songs. Pushing your career forward is the same way. Steve Jobs didn't run Apple Music by himself. I look at my career the same way. I'm a CEO of my own label, and I might need to bring on somebody to help me take it to the next level, help scale my business, because that's what we're talking about. And are there any yeah. independent artists or labels that you look to as inspiration for this, or are there people yeah, you talk to sure. specifically? I look to what Nipsey did. Uh, Nipsey, the reason I started 100%. my first LLC in 2012, mm -hmm. you know? listening to the marathon, the marathon continues, victory lap, like listening to these albums and yeah. these songs and what he's saying and watching what he's actually doing in real life, reading the books that he spoke about. It's like, you know, this is this is the perfect way to do something, um, to, to enter the music game and to scale your business. That's really what he put in front of us, as well as a lifestyle and uh, principles. You know, these are all things I look at. I look at what Jay-Z did, him and, what him and Dame did, you um, you know, with, with Rock with Rockefeller now Rock Nation. I look at what Master P did. I'm studying every everything in this game because, like I said, with the Napoleon Hill quote, you look and get you learn from what others did before you go around you. If I'm just doing this based on my own self, imagine how many walls I would have ran into. You know, but if I'm asking questions and being inquisitive, just being a student of life, I'll be able to move a lot further. So the things I'm doing now, um, people say it's. Like it happened fast. It didn't happen fast for me because I'm putting in the hours of researching and studying. I took off mm -hmm. 2019, basically off of producing where I got records coming out, old records coming out basically, but I had to learn the business side. If I'm going to remain independent, okay, where do I get paid from? Who got the, yeah, who got the, who got the bag? Swallow. Exactly. Yeah, so you got to, you know, 
um, being independent is a cool thing. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to say this again. Most artists should be signed to a label with good terms, obviously. Um, yeah. I think that would be more beneficial for them. But if, if you're willing to take this journey on, you know, it's a lot of great examples that you can learn from. You can look at what Nip did. Look at what, you know, look at what uh, Jay-Z did. Look at what uh, Master P did with No Limit. Look at what Birdman did with Cash Money. Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of great examples you can look at. Yeah, and thank you for emphasizing that too because, like I said, it's a hard pill to swallow. Everyone, yeah. obviously independence low key the way, but the fact of the matter is, can you actually do it? No one wants to sign into the label, but are you willing to put in that work? And the other thing books? is, a lot yeah. of people don't want it. It's, it's like, I'm going to say this and some people are going to get mad, but it's okay because it's Ooh. true. Hot takes. <laughs> a lot of people have a disdain towards labels, but you don't have any labels offering you money. You know what Ooh. I'm saying? Yeah. That's like, you might say, I'm independent. Like, you're not independent by choice, though. You know? <laughs> but that's just that's just being real about the situation. If you don't have anybody willing to sign you, then you're not independent because you chose to be independent. You're independent yeah. by default because you start off in this game independent. If I start making beats tomorrow, I am independent. You know what I mean? So yeah. you got to work yourself up to, you got to work your, work your way up to being desired and sought after by labels and then decline it to be like, I'm independent by, by but it's, it's just different steps in the game. Like I'm independent by choice because I feel like right now I'm better off independent. Even with me doing NFTs and Web3, imagine if I signed to a pub deal or some type of label before I jumped into this. Now they're eating off of my stuff I'm doing in Web3, which is not even whole songs being distributed and it's not no masses involved. They might be taking 20% of what I'm doing, which is which would be crazy for me and it'd be discouraging. So Mm-hmm. It worked out for me beautifully. Now I could go into a label and say, oh, they want to assign me something. Okay, cool. My NFT work is completely excluded from anything that I do. This is a separate entity. We don't touch that at all. We just talk about this side, the publishing. Mm-hmm. And my, you know what I'm saying? So um, yeah. I think it worked out for me well. But it did. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's get into that because uh, that is another big aspect of you. Because again, like I said before, you just keep on expanding. You're not stopping. You keep moving on. Like you said before, what's next? Um, Obviously with TikTok, social media, stuff like that, and trends, people throwing out these flash words in your face. Oh, stocks, crypto, bonds, but no one really knows quad about it and they just jump into it for no reason. You, on the other hand, not only did you do the work to look at what the landscape provides you, uh, you decided to create your own thing, um, which was robust and also just completely unique you created a virtual avatar in the metaverse, which mm-hmm. the only time I ever heard that word was um, Zuckerberg talking about it. I had no clue. I had no clue about any of it at all. Um, yeah. But you did your thing. His name is Low Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. How the heck did this even come to fruition? And how did you end up meeting television to come together and, uh, um, you know, putting this together? So one thing I'm, I'm totally against is chasing trends and doing what's Mm-hmm. People, you know, doing what everybody else is doing because then it leads to oversaturation. It leads to a lack of creativity. And we get to a point where that trend is dead. Now, what do I do? Chase the next one. So am I doing work for myself or am I really just working for somebody else? You know, as an as an independent entrepreneur and, and producer and doing all these other things, I can't afford it. it it's just not in me to, to chase each trend. Anytime I ever tried to follow a trend, it never worked for me. If I, it's like if me growing up, if I told my mom I wanted um, Jordans, you know, or I wanted this shoe, she got me the other one. And then 
the other one always was the one that was more cooler that people wanted. So just looking back on my life, it's like I can't do what everybody else is doing. Not say I'm looking to do other things, but naturally these other things just come to me. So to answer your question, um, Lil Bitcoin was actually created in 2017 by, by wow. television and I. So we did this way before there was ever any, you know, global mention of a metaverse or NFTs or Web3, anything like that. So, you know, it was just... And at the time, it was the first time I met Tiller and we created a little Bitcoin within the first two hours of us talking. We were talking about Bitcoin at the time. We were talking about Bitcoin and hip hop. And, you know, naturally through the progression of that conversation, we came up with Avatar Rapper based on the blockchain created by Satoshi to protect the centralization from the evil forces known as the FIOPs. You know, so we just, you know, we created that. But at the time, if we put it out there um it wouldn't have served the purpose that we want today. Lil Bitcoin would be a, a, a gimmick. You know, it'd be, it, it would have been yeah. a gimmick back in 2017. That was when all the gimmicks was coming out. It was, you know, left and right. You got all this stuff coming up. Yeah. So it wouldn't have done justice to what we wanted it to do. So um, in 2021, with the emergence of cryptocurrency and Web3, and not, not cryptocurrency, but Web3 and NFTs, um, we seen a, a field, a playing field where Lil Bitcoin could exist and he could exist in all his glory, he could have the cars, he could have, you know, the, the money, he could have the flash. Mm-hmm. He can also fight against the fiats and we can make it look cool and, you know, put good, good music to it, great visuals to it, dope collaborations. So, yeah, that, that that project, I mean, like I said, we've been sitting on it for a while and we've seen the opportunity to apply it. And once we applied it, it was instant. But even still, we have these great drops and still things we got to work on on a day-to-day basis. I just was talking to um, the rep at Crypto.com, who we released most of our work through, and you know, working on sending our collectors this physical comic book. So we're still uh-huh. doing different things. We have our next drop coming up, Chapter 2, which is going to open a whole new immersive side of the, of the project. So it's still things that we got to do. You know, Once you celebrate one win, it's like football. You, you practice all week, play on Saturday. By Sunday, you're back in the meeting room, getting the game plan and the briefing for the game next week. So we celebrate that win and we on to the next one. I think it's such yeah. a cool concept, the metaverse and the whole thing with it. I was seeing on Twitter today that I think it was Capitol Records has an um, AI generated artist. I wonder Shout what you're FM on. Mecca. So I actually worked with FM Mecca. We did like okay. seven records. Uh, me and Lil Bitcoin produced and wrote a few records for Mecca. So um, this was back in uh, April. This had to be around April. That we did this, yeah, because I wore a hoodie. Yeah, so it was April that we worked together. Um, we have a single coming out with with, with Mecca soon. Uh, I'm not gonna speak too much about it, but we have a bunch of yeah. records. Uh, you know, shout out to him and his team. Shout out to Nico, uh, uh-huh. who's his A and R, by the way. Yeah, so I think it's dope, man. I think it's beautiful. Like I said, we already a part of that project. Um, yeah. and it's just, it's just beautiful to see how they, they rolling it out and people's reaction to it. Cause they just like, what the hell? And they, you know, they see yeah. this song with Thug and Gunna and it's like, oh, this actually sound fire. Like this, if I didn't know he was an AI rapper, I would listen to this. Like that's yeah. what people, a lot of people yeah. are saying, but it's like, uh-huh. you know, we in a different part of the music industry now, not even just rap, but just music in general to where you having, um, what, what you do essentially is you kind of minimize the overhead and the risk the risk management factor because there's nothing that can physically happen to this individual. Yeah. There's, you know, a, a lesser overhead when it comes to a lot of these things. So it's easily, it's more easily recoupable. Now I'm speaking just on, on the little Bitcoin side. Obviously you've got time, which is a resource, but financial resource, if you're working with an in-house uh, person 
uh-huh. then you, you kind of lessen that. So, but at the end of the day, it's dope music. That's what we all coming yeah. for. So it's it's beautiful to see, and I can't wait to see what his singles do and what FM Mecca career uh, becomes. I'm rooting for him for sure. And quickly, just to go off that before we have to close out here, um, to go along with that, because we we're talking about before about songwriting and rap music. It's usually you can write your own music. I saw mm-hmm. people were getting mad because this AI generated rapper. Well, first it's like they're rapping about a fake story. Like it's not an actual, it's just AI generated. It's not something they actually experienced. Mm-hmm. And then I think the rapper was using the N word. So people are like, who is audio? Like what AI is generating using like slang and using like different <laughs> words. And what's your opinion I, on I, that? It, you know, they, they don't know the back end process of it. So they don't yeah. know who's behind the voice. They don't know who's programming the voice. So 100%. people are, you know, people are entitled to their opinions, which I'm not going to, you know, sit here and try to yeah. debunk or figure it out for Twitter them. Like, people say yeah, you, everybody, everybody, exactly. Everybody got an opinion on Twitter. Um, that's what it's for. You tweet. Whether somebody reads your tweet or not or, you know, likes it or replies, that's that's another thing. But, um, you know, when you watch a Denzel Washington movie, you don't think he's out here shooting people in the back of car seats. You don't think he's an equalizer. Yeah. You don't think John Wick is out here busting up whole gangs with you know, a 16-round a, a clip and he's shooting 45. Like, yeah, we got to, we got to, as a, as, a, as a society, stop making, especially rappers, because this is getting a lot of guys hurt, you know, and their families hurt. We got to stop expecting them to be what they, what they rap about or they talk about in their songs, you know, um, because at the end of the day, it's just music. If somebody gets in a, like, if somebody goes in the booth and lies about everything they're talking about, but the song is good. I mean, it's happened a hundred times, and you heard the song, and you know all the words to it. Yeah. You know, but we expect him because he's a rapper. Oh, it's got to be real. If he was a pop singer, would you have that same expectation? If he was a rock and roll artist, would you have that same expectation? And the answer is no. Uh-huh. But because he's a rapper, it has to be real. No, it's not fair to 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 fans of rap, and it's not fair to the rappers themselves. Because now, yeah. if a rapper goes and says, "I'm gonna shoot the whole club up and kill everybody inside." Do you expect him to go do that? Because we've heard them songs before. We all listened. We all heard them songs before. You know what I'm saying? But that's just an unfair thing that's put on rap music. But I think what he's doing is dope. And the story that he's telling, it actually plays into his character, his his yeah. his his persona on TikTok. You know what I'm saying? Like when we're making these records, we're not we're making it. Like I said before, we're going to going to songwriting and producing this. How you feeling or what's going on? Tell me, bring me into the world of Mecca. So when we're making these songs, they make sense. And like I said, once these songs start to roll out, you know, people actually pay attention to it. They'll understand what's going on. It's not that deep, honestly. It's music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so amazing about what you're doing, especially in hip hop. Like, I don't know if any who are working with NFT, NFTs and putting it on a, a global scale like you are and you staying authentic to yourself and Again, kind of that nip energy, just finding different avenues to figure out what you want to do, how to expand, and how to get bigger. Uh, my last question for you really is, why did you end up going this NFT route? Uh, I listen to a lot of Gary Vee. I know mm-hmm. Gary Vee has been hyping up the NFTs, and a lot of people has been a huge trend. But why NFTs over like uh, a crypto or a stock or whatever? Why with this virtual reality? So I did crypto. I've been in the cryptocurrency since 2017, you know, and I was trading stocks in the beginning of 2021, like on a daily basis. I was just talking to somebody in the boxing gym. I was doing that for a month straight. But my goal in life isn't to isn't to acquire, isn't to make a lot of money. Like, you know, my goal isn't to, I want to be a billionaire. My goal is to do the things that I love to do. My goal is to be as, 
as creative as possible, as freely creative as possible. And the money will take care of itself. Whenever I focus on money, it is, you know, it's like whenever you chase something, it's always elusive. You never really catch it. And then, you know, even speaking deeper about it, money is a is an infinite thing. So if I'm chasing money, I'll never really be happy because it's always gonna be more to make. So why would I chase that? Yeah. I'd rather chase something that I can actually attain and I can base my success off of. I might make a million dollars tomorrow and there might be a bayonet on the street. So when I meet him, I might feel like, oh, I ain't got a bayonet on Yeah. No, I made something great. I feel good about it. I'm being creative. I'm fulfilling myself. I'm fulfilling my, my destiny. And we all have that. We all have that thing that, you know, is inside us to do. But, you know, we get caught up with a lot of outside noise. And you see, like you said, you see on Instagram, you should do stocks and flipping a house. And, what if yeah. I don't want to do that? You know, <laughs> what, if I'm un- what if I'm unhappy doing it? Yeah. You know, am I a failure in the eyes of Instagram because of that? Like, yeah, it's something it's something that Nip said that somebody else said this. I'd rather be at peace with myself and at war with the world instead of uh being at war with myself and at peace with the world. And I take that to heart. Like I'm at peace with myself doing what I do. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, wise words and everything you said. I know everyone is going to be listening, is going to be grabbing hold of them. Um, Dom, we appreciate you so much for being here. Um, please let the fans know um, where we could find you, how we can support you. And also, what's coming out, man? I know yeah. you dropped your uh, first debut project. Again, True Story in 2021. Mm-hmm. What you've been cooking up and what should we expect? So I dropped a video um, last month. It's only on YouTube. Um I got a couple songs coming out for the remainder of the year. I'm not sure when I'm gonna drop them because um, it's a lot of different things I have lined up, and I don't want to drop a song the same day. I have an NFT coming out the same yeah. day. I have a placement coming out. So, you know, when I get these dates and deliverable dates, I like to kind of space them out so it's just kind of happening back to back and not just all at one time. So it's it's a lot coming out. I got a few placements um, that I'm proud of and I'm happy about uh, getting back into the music industry, like full-time producing and writing and doing my thing like that has made me extremely happy. I'm actually uh, supposed to be in a session in nine minutes, but I told him I'll be, I'll be late. So it's all good. But <laughs> yeah, I got, I got songs coming out, man. I'm really just trying to stay as creative as possible every day and just focus on the actual practice and the process rather than the results. So I got stuff coming out, um, stuff happening, but you know, it's a lot of things I got to do this week to to just you know fulfill myself and just stay in that stay in that mode of the process. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, man, you guys heard it all right here. The genius himself, uh, Dominique, aka Mitch Mula. Thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate y'all, and we'll see you in the next one. We out.